Hello, dear listeners, and welcome to Let It Be Easy. I'm your host, Lisa Sanchez, Certified Leadership and Life Coach, Reiki Practitioner, and Recovering Overachiever. Not everything in life can be easy, but this podcast is about seeing how some things don't have to be as hard as we think. This podcast is brought to you by Cocoon. That's my practice where I offer coaching and other resources to help you trust your intuition, design a meaningful life, and create fulfilling work. You can find out more at the-cocoon.co. Hello, dear listeners. I'm so happy to be back here for episode two of Let It Be Easy. Uh, First, I just want to say that my dog is snoring very loudly in the background, so in case you can hear something, that's what it is. Um, It's just, he's so adorable, I don't think I can bear to, like, move him or wake him up, so um, uh, I hope that you can forgive him, because he is actually my uh, trusty co-host. So today, I wanted to talk with you about how to talk to your manager. This might seem like a little bit of a surprise following how to fall asleep, uh, but in fact, um, it's just another one of the things that comes up very frequently in my coaching sessions, and for good reason. Um, Your relationship with your manager has generally has a huge impact on your work satisfaction your and your happiness at work. Um, so it, it makes sense. It makes sense um, that we tend to um, spend a lot of time and energy um, thinking through um, our relationships with our manager and the things we want to say the conversations that we want to have. Um, However, uh, ruminating about this can often be very stressful. So I'm really hoping that the perspectives and the tips in this podcast will uh, help to make this easier, um, help to take this important thing important factor in your life and um, uh, reduce some stress. Before we really dig in here, I want to get clear about the scope of manager relationships I'm addressing here and the scope of conversations. Um, First of all, I won't be talking about relationships where your manager is harassing or discriminating against you. Um, That is something that I did cover in my other podcast, Should We? uh, Episode 52. uh, And I will include the link in the show notes if you would like to um, learn more about that. Um, Also, uh, just a couple of things to note there. Um, uh, there is this real uh, conflict where, unfortunately, 
managers do tend to be the ones to commit harassment and discrimination. And yet in many organizations, the policy is um, like if you are experiencing harassment or discrimination, the policy is that you first are supposed to report the situation to your manager. So as you can imagine, that that sets up a very difficult uh, conflict. Um, uh, So yeah, uh, definitely uh, check out that other episode if you want to go deeper on that. Another thing to note there is um, uh, uh, generally, if you report an experience that might be classified as harassment or discrimination, uh, could be something you're experiencing from someone else or something that you're witnessing. If you share that with your manager, uh, generally your manager is legally obligated to then escalate that to HR. So uh, I just wanted to note that, like that if you bring something like that to your manager, they can't, for example, like keep it a secret or like just you know, listen and, and just, just help you process. Um, so it, it will, they can do that, but they will also um, be obligated to report it. Okay, so um, let's uh, set those situations aside. Um, the, the scope I'm really talking about here is like a relationship with a manager who is somewhere on the spectrum between like, a little bit incompetent, but well-meaning, and um, uh, the other end of the spectrum, like a manager who's amazing, and uh, you have a great relationship with them, uh, but you you still want to put a lot of thought into how you communicate with them. Um, so basically, I'm just talking about you know uh, relationships between a manager and a report where both people are just regular imperfect humans like trying to do their best. Another thing I want to note is that I'm going to be uh, talking here mainly uh, from the perspective of someone thinking about conversations with their manager. If you are a manager, um, it could be It could also be helpful to listen through this podcast with the manager perspective in mind, uh, just to help you empathize a little bit more with what some of your reports may be going through. Lastly, maybe you are self-employed. You don't have a manager for whatever reason. Uh, maybe you you get to be your own boss. Um, and you're thinking like, should I really keep listening to the rest of this episode? I don't know if this is going to be relevant to me. I hope you will keep listening. And f- from this perspective, consider the manager in your own head who is basically just a version of you. So when... When I'm talking about this, I'm really talking about um, 
I'm talking from my personal experience and then also from the experience of coaching many people who are self-employed. Um, it can be helpful to sort of like uh, break out those those different pieces of you that help you run your business or do your creative work. Uh, it, for me, I find that... Um, there's Coach Lisa inside my head. There is Creative Director Lisa inside my head. And there is also CEO Lisa inside my head. And let me tell you, CEO Lisa, the one who is my direct manager, uh, fortunately, she has really grown a lot over time, but like back in the day, CEO Lisa was like the toughest boss I've ever had, holding me to such high standards. Um, and so it could be helpful to identify the manager inside your head and really think through like if that were a separate person from you, what kinds of conversations would you want to have? What kinds of negotiation is called for to support you in both meeting your, say, business goals and doing your best work, work that you're proud of, and also being well, uh, supporting your overall well-being. Another piece of framing here for um, the perspectives and the practices I'll share is that all of this is really based on uh, my own personal experience in design leadership, mainly working on design teams in technology companies, and then also uh, coaching design leaders who are often working in technology companies and startups. Um, so I just wanted to give that context as, you know, these are this is the population and these are the contexts that I tend to be immersed in and to have in mind. Um, however, I hope that there will still be a lot that will apply um, across disciplines and different types of organizations. Um, okay, last piece of setup. Uh, I said in, in the introduction here that your relationship with your manager is a pretty key factor in um, uh, your work satisfaction and work happiness. Um, just in case you feel really hopeless about um, improving your relationship with your manager, like just in case it's even it's just you've got like a neutral or non-existent relationship there. Uh, maybe you haven't been assigned a manager, which is like unfortunately super common in, in startups. Um, uh, if that piece is like absent or not working, I just want to encourage you that there are other really important factors too. Um, one of them is a sense of belonging. So having creating meaningful connections with your colleagues at work or feeling some uh, connection to the overall culture or values of the organization or the team that you're a part of, uh, that can really make a difference. Another thing is purpose. Uh, feeling 
that you get some meaning out of uh, the work that you do. It could be as simple as, like, I, I'm doing something that I'm good at, and it's needed here. That can give you a sense of purpose. And then all the way to, you know, I feel that uh, what I'm doing every day is contributing to making the world a better place. Um, uh, another thing that can really help with work satisfaction is a sense of novelty. This one is more, I would say, this really depends on the person. Some people, uh, really, uh, find a lot of comfort in having their work and their, their work days and work weeks be very predictable and consistent. Um, but some people do find that their work satisfaction increases when there is some element of novelty that's kind of uh, challenging them uh, just enough and um, helping them to grow and learn. Uh, another thing that I often hear from the people that I'm coaching is that a sense of ownership matters. Um, I think this depends on the person too, uh, but sometimes it can be really helpful when when you're clear about like what uh, what you have agency over at work, what you can influence, where you can really make a difference. Um, so those are just some other factors to keep in mind, other variables to experiment with. In, alongside your relationship with your manager in order to just generally improve um, how you feel at work and how you feel about your work. So that was a lot of setup, um, but uh, I, hope it, I hope there was already some helpful material in there. And let's take a little break and we will come back with some perspectives and tips and practices for talking with your manager and strengthening that relationship. Okay, so the first perspective I want to dig into here is the simple reminder that your manager is human. I, I'm sure that you know this in your brain, but um, it can be helpful to check in, like, do you really feel that in your heart? And do you keep that in mind when you're uh, thinking about your expectations for your manager? It's kind of like um, when you grow up and you realize that your parents are human. Um, even if you knew all along that they were imperfect, it's possible to get to this point where you stop being quite as frustrated about their imperfections simply because you also stop expecting them to be superhuman. So it can be similar. Uh, a similar thing can happen with our expectations towards our managers. And um, I've often found that like, as soon as someone becomes a manager themselves, uh, they can they really start to feel that they really start to empathize with that um, so the expectations we place on managers tend to be really high and f I mean for the most part that's a good thing uh, management comes with 
quite a bit of power, uh, usually. Um, and it makes sense that that role should also come with a great deal of responsibility. Uh, what I'm, I'm thinking about more is the fact that very often the role of a manager is so multifaceted. So, okay, you may, like, sometimes a manager may need to be doing some resourcing, a little bit of, like, uh, project management, and also matching uh, the right people with the right projects. Um, you may have this person responsible for um, overseeing quality or um, uh, elevating and setting standards for craft. This person is usually also responsible for having one-on-ones and being uh, supportive to each of the people on their teams. And some managers have a whole lot of people on their teams. Um, and that can include all sorts of skills, um, such as coaching, influencing, encouraging, um, uh, setting people up for success, um, having career conversations, and um, helping people uh, define their goals and, and work toward them. Uh, there's also the responsibility for communicating outward. So managing up, influencing in the organization, um, uh, paving the way for the team. Um, th there's more. There can be even more to it. Um, so those, those are a lot of things already. And being an ind individual contributor does not prepare you for that. It's the kind of thing that, for the most part, you just have to learn by doing. Um, there's also the challenge that, like, like as soon as you become a manager, your your strengths and weaknesses and the quirks of your your personality, your way of communicating, your way of being in the world, are suddenly really on display. Um, often uh, scrutinized. Um, it can it can feel like a lot of pressure, like suddenly on stage, like a lot of people are looking to you all of a sudden in a way that uh, wasn't so much the case as an individual contributor. Um, another thing to keep in mind is that generally, uh, different each person who reports to a manager needs something different from their manager and has different expectations for their manager each person may all have may also have different um triggers and traumas from past experiences with managers where they may be bracing for certain things that they fear will happen in that relationship. And so um, it's sort of impossible for a manager to know exactly what, what all of those things might be, all of those needs and fears for every individual uh, without the individuals making them explicit. Um, and the other thing is like, there's also this piece of, that's simply about match. So uh, there are a lot of situations where a manager is not necessarily a poor manager. Um, 
but they may be the wrong manager for someone on their team. There can very much just be a mismatch of personality or there may be an individual who has certain needs and expectations for their manager and it may just so happen that that manager in that context is not able to meet those needs and expectations. Um, and it doesn't mean that either person is bad or wrong. It's just a case of mismatch. Um, so this is all just to help uh, flesh out the reminder that your manager is human. Um, I'm thinking as I'm talking about this, I'm, I'm like seeing a reel of all the things, all of my imperfections as a manager. Um, and I'm kind of like ha having flashbacks to all of the things that I wish I had done better or differently, the things that I really feel like I didn't get right. Um, there's one story I, I think I can share with you, which is, um, uh, this was right as I had, I was just becoming a manager for the first time. And, um, I was really overwhelmed. I was doing plenty of individual contributor work uh, still um, and starting to manage a team. And uh, a new hire arrives. I, for their first day, I sit down and have like a maybe like a 30 minute one on one with them. And uh, at the end of the meeting, uh, I just walked them to a conference room and a meeting that I was supposed to be uh, in. Uh, I was double booked after our one-on-one. -on -one, and I just was so, I was so overwhelmed and so desperate. And I was, I just introduced this person to the other people uh, in the conference room who were waiting for me. And I was like, here's this great new person. Uh, they're fabulous. Um, they're going to take over for me. I have another meeting to go to. Bye. Um, this is maybe, uh, this is definitely not, uh, not a good way to onboard someone. Um, uh, but you know, I, sh I share that example because like, you know, I'm, I'm over here like talking about what, what management means and coaching lots of people on management definitely doesn't mean that I was ever perfect about it. Um, but I did learn a lot and I'm also very grateful to that person and my whole team at that time for being so gracious with me, uh, so forgiving and so willing to help me become the leader that I was capable of being with a little encouragement and guidance and patience from everyone around me. Uh, okay. Uh, next perspective. This is such an important one. They're all important ones, but this comes up so much in my coaching sessions. Okay. Your manager cannot read your mind and your manager should not be expected to read your mind. Um, very often it happens where, um, uh, I'm coaching someone and, and they'll say something that's basically like, 
why doesn't my manager just, and then, you know, fill in the blank. Um, why don't they give me the feedback I need? Or um, why don't they have more consistent one-on-ones with me? Or um, why don't they ever give me any encouragement or positive feedback? Or um, why don't they just tell me what to do more straightforwardly? I can't figure it out. Or why don't they stop telling me what to do? I feel micromanaged. Um, uh, My next question after uh, an introduction like that is, um, have you asked your manager for what you need? Have you told them that that's what you want? More encouragement or um, more feedback or uh, more, um, more prescriptive? instructions about what you should do or or uh more um ownership more um, more hands-off management style works better for you um and very often um very often we we uh wish our managers would know and and do just what we need but we just like forget to tell them This is something that comes up in plenty of other relationships too, especially romantic relationships. Like, you know, why don't they just whatever, fill in the blank, the things that we wish for uh, from the, the people who are close to us. Gosh, it's such a gift to make that explicit. Just let them know. Now, um, it's important, first of all, to be really clear and direct about what you want and need from someone. And to keep in mind that just because you told them what you need and want doesn't mean that they are necessarily obligated to give it to you or that they are willing or that they are capable. But if you never tell them, then you never even gave them the chance to try. It's totally possible that they are capable and willing and they, they want to meet um, those needs and, and expectations that you have from them, but they just didn't know. They just didn't realize what you needed. Or also sometimes like we have lots of needs and expectations from the people around us and uh, we're rarely like fulfilling all of them for each other. And so sometimes it can be hard to know, okay, which one of the things I'm not doing but should be matters a lot to this person. Um, so it can be just so helpful to get clear about that. Something I want to mention here, a really common pitfall is that, so in a coaching conversation, we may, we may get this far and then we may unpack, okay, what is it exactly that, that this person wants and needs and expects from their manager? And then we move into the action like, okay, so um, what's the conversation going to look like with your manager? And very often, uh, the first thing someone will do as they're sort of like rehearsing what they're going to say is they'll start with questions. So let's say um, uh, someone's uh, wish is that um, 
their manager would uh, help them get a promotion, help them do whatever they need to do over the coming months so that at the next performance review cycle, they can be nominated for a promotion and have the best chance possible to make that happen. So sometimes as we're rehearsing, the person will be like, okay, so when I have my one-on-one, I'm going to ask my manager, like, how do they think I'm doing? And then we'll have a little pause and then it's like, okay, so I'll ask them, how do they think I'm doing? And like, what do they think is possible for me next? Um, as someone who has been a manager, I can say from the from like the other side of that table or the other side of that Zoom call, it is very confusing to receive questions when someone's actually really trying to tell you something. Because so, so what often happens on the other side, at least what would happen for me is like someone comes in, they ask these questions like, how do you think I'm doing? And I like, I'm like, okay, like because managers get nervous too. Some, some do, you know, so I'm over here like, okay, uh, I wasn't totally prepared to give like specific constructive feedback right now, but it sounds like this person is wanting constructive feedback. Let me think of some examples of things that they could improve on. Uh, but also I think they're, they're really, they're doing a great job. Uh, so I'll like maybe give some examples of stuff they could improve on and be like, but overall, like, I, th- I think you're doing a great job. Um, and then, like, what do you see for me next? And then I'm over here, like, oh, gosh, like, I don't know. I mean, I'm really enjoying having this person do the job that they're in. I wasn't really thinking ahead. <laughs> um, or maybe I was. Maybe I do have ideas for what's next for this person. Maybe I'm thinking, this person could totally be resourced on this other project that's coming up. I think it's going to be a great challenge for them. It's really going to match with their strengths. Okay, so all this whole thing is happening in my head and none of it actually matches up with what the, the other person is trying to get at. It, t- it turns out they, they don't want um, another project. Like, they, they want a promotion. Um, it's going to be really hard for me to figure out that out by being, um, like, interrogated or asked sort of, leading questions. I definitely understand the impulse behind that though. Um, So I want to encourage you um, when you are going to have a conversation with your manager about your needs and expectations, um, uh, lead with statements. Put put your, your thesis first. Thinking about, okay, if my manager remembers nothing from this conversation except like one to three things. What do I want them to know? Write those out as just like simple bullet points. I want my manager to know that I want a promotion. And I just, I want to know from them, are they willing and able to support me in doing that? And then I want to know, um, like, what's it going to take how close am I? So say that. Say that. Um, and then give your manager space to uh, respond 
to that. Uh, also, as a side note here to managers, um, I want to encourage you, like, when you are receiving questions that might feel like this, um, or just just in general, um, let, pay attention to times when your reports are asking you questions, and in fact, they might actually be trying to tell you something. So what you, what you can do there, and especially if it's like you need some time to think about your answer, um, or you're not really sure what they're getting at, just ask. Just ask. You can say like, um, you know, thanks for asking that. Uh, I want to give you a thoughtful answer to your question. So could you tell me more about what's behind the question? What's prompting you to ask this? And then really listen so that you can shape your response and you can also stop yourself before giving an answer when actually an answer from you is not what they need. They just need you to give them the floor to say what they need. Okay, next perspective. Um, don't try to read your manager's mind. I can't emphasize this enough. We do it without realizing that we are doing it. So um, I would say like this, maybe this is the most important perspective um, of this in this conversation so far is to um, avoid assumptions wherever possible. So when we are, when, when there's a gap in information, our brains are, are pattern matching machines. Our brains are storytelling machines. Our, our imaginations are a wonderful gift. But all of, these, all of these great strengths of our brains can get in the way when there's a gap in information. So here's a very common example. Um, my manager changed the, the schedule for our one-on-ones. Could be like my manager extended our one-on-one for this week or moved it up sooner or canceled it for this week. And uh, I, I don't know why they did that. It's so easy, especially if you're already in a stressful state of mind, it's so easy to automatically assume that you know why. Oh, um, my manager is mad at me. Oh, they moved the meeting up because I'm going to get fired. Oh, they extended the meeting because um, they have a whole bunch of critical feedback to share with me. Um, uh, another thing that's really common is just like the assumption like my manager um, doesn't like me or yeah, my manager's mad at me in, in general. Um, uh, be very careful about making meaning of things where you don't n- know for sure. Of course, on the one hand, trust your gut. Like if someone's giving you like negative vibes and they're kind of like, they're not very nice toward you or you, you really don't 
you, you feel bad after your interactions with them, pay attention to that. Um, but if it's like your well-meaning and busy manager shifted your meeting, um, be careful about your assumptions. Um, also, uh, be careful not to confuse the manager in your own head with your actual manager. So, you know, at the beginning I talked about how when you're self-employed, you can kind of have a manager in your own head. Well, that can actually be true if you have an actual manager who is a different person from you. Still, the voice of, say, your inner perfectionist could be working in your head and doing like standing in for the voice of your manager when they're not there right in front of you. Um, so uh, just be careful to um, uh, uh, check any assumptions. Be really aware of assumptions you're making. And the, and the best way to do that is to uh, notice when you're um, stressing yourself out about your manager or your relationship with your manager and then get very curious uh, sh to try to shift from panic mode and filling in the blanks with assumptions mode into I wonder what this could be about. I wonder how I could check and validate my assumptions. Uh, where, how could it be possible for me to get more information about this, more data, more evidence? Is this something I can just ask my manager about directly so I don't have to keep guessing about what they're thinking or what they are intending? Um, this is making me think about uh, another story of my own. Um... Basically, I'm just thinking about a situation where um, I was newly reporting to a manager whose personality just could not be more opposite from mine and whose communication style was completely opposite from me. And um, we have a one-on-one -on -one and this manager is like um, not making eye contact with me looking at their computer and giving me really short answers. So I came with like a problem that I wanted to talk through as I used to with my previous manager. We would talk things through and then at the end I would feel empowered and, and clear and I would, you know, go forth. Well, so I'm, I'm sharing what's going, what challenges I'm facing and the manager's like giving me these really short answers and it's very much like, We'll just do this. We'll just do that. You know, and then they go back to typing. Um, I burst into tears. I burst into tears. And then, you know that thing where you start crying and you can't turn the faucet off? It's just like the, this, the handle's broken. Oh, my goodness. I, I There was a point where I wanted to stop crying, but I couldn't. Like I was just bawling because it turned out that the situation I was trying to describe, it had been going on for a long time. I think I didn't 
fully realize how much it was weighing on me and how I had tried everything I had, could think of and how I really needed help and I was not getting it. In that moment, my assumptions about this manager were that like they um, didn't like me, um, they thought I was a failure, they didn't uh, believe in me to uh, figure things out on my own. Uh, I, also, I also felt like they must think I'm stupid if they're giving me these suggestions and like I've already thought of those. Don't they realize I already thought of that? I wouldn't bring it to them if I hadn't thought of that. Oh my goodness, this was this was a really painful conversation for me. And then I spent the next week deciding about whether I wanted to quit my job or not. And ultimately I decided that I didn't want to quit my job yet. I wanted to debrief the conversation with my manager. I wanted to give them feedback about um, uh, their, their impact on me um, and just see how that went. Um, oh my goodness. You just wouldn't believe uh, how illuminating that debrief was where I just came in and I said, let's talk about what happened last week. And I, I need you to hear me first. I need to tell you about the impact of, of our conversation last week. Um, the conversation that followed led to such a deep and powerful relationship between me and my manager um, we both rose to the challenge that we had faced in understanding and communicating with each other. And even though we remained completely opposite, we worked together for a long time and with so much trust and respect. And it became a really powerful partnership where I, you know, we were each always challenging each other and pushing each other out of our comfort zones. And um, the only way that that was possible was that we stopped. We had kind of like a, a rupture in our relationship and we used it as an opportunity to listen to each other and to basically obliterate our assumptions about each other because our assumptions were all wrong. Okay, lastly... Um, I want to give you this encouragement that the real potential in the, in the relationship between um, uh, a manager and their report is in the alchemy between what you bring to the relationship and what they bring. And when you both bring um, your best as much as you can, and when you both bring um, curiosity and openness um, and honesty, candor, thoughtful candor, um, uh, and a willingness to design your relationship and iterate on that, design it and redesign it, um, that's when you end up with, you know, the combination of these two people can become greater 
than the sum of its parts and the two of you can really help each other grow um i do have some uh uh, a list of questions that can be helpful for designing your relationship with your manager. It also, managers can use this to design their relationship with their reports. Um, I will include this article in the show notes um, so that you can feel free to use that material um, as uh, prompts for conversations you might want to have um, with your manager. Um, I use this term designing your relationship because it really is this this is something you can do so often we just kind of like fall into a uh, certain um, cadence with someone a certain way of relating and being but um, it doesn't have to be by accident we can decide together okay well what are our expectations for each other uh, how will we know when this relationship is working? Um, how will we know when we're off track? Um, so there are a lot of these questions that you can use to kick off a new relationship or reset an existing one. And I encourage you to think of this as an iterative dynamic process. Relationships are alive and evolving. Each of the people involved is always changing. Um, and the circumstances around us are always changing. So, uh, you know, I encourage you to design your relationships at work with intention and then come back to them and redesign them as often as you need. Before you go, a few final notes. First, if you have a topic or question you'd like me to cover, I would love to hear from you. Just send me a note at podcast at the-cocoon.co. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on whatever app you use to listen. And if you liked this episode, please share it with a friend. That's one of the best things you can do to show your support and encourage me to keep going. The other best thing you can do is to become a supporter on Patreon. You can get access to patrons-only content, including monthly guided meditations. You can find me at patreon.com slash Lisa Sanchez, or check out the link in the show notes. Until next time, let it be easy. <laughs>